So good to be together this morning. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I just got to give a special shout out to Barnett. Barnett, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. Let's do this thing, man. We're, we're all going to be together. Anyway, I'm super glad to be here in the flesh preaching with, uh, this morning. In fact, I almost was not going to be here this morning because um, on Tuesday, I thought about just going all in on GameStop. I don't know if you've been following this, but I, uh, I, a week ago, I didn't know about GameStop. I didn't know about short selling. And within one week, I'm an expert and I'm holding, I'm going to the moon. I got diamond hands and uh, I almost went all in. And if I did... Um, Jeff would have been preaching my notes today because I'd be in the Bahamas forever. Um, but what's interesting is uh, I talked to a friend of mine who actually knows what's going on in the stock market. And he's like, what in the world is happening? All these people like me who want to hold and have diamond hands. He's like, you don't know anything about anything. But I know, um, but I know, I know the cool emojis. I know the things to say. I got Elon Musk on my side, you know? And so I'm tracking. And, uh, and, and more and more as I talk to my friends, they just are horrified at people who don't know anything about anything making these decisions that are just changing the world. And, uh, but it did get me thinking about how that we actually live in a bumper sticker world, that the world is so complex. The issues are so complex. The solutions are so complex. And we've chosen to just have the tiniest bumper sticker, something that has two to four words. It says something about my tribe. It says something about how I understand the world. And then you just go on from there. And the bummer is with having a bumper sticker worldview is the bumper sticker means something really deep really thoughtful and important. Um, but then when you build your house on the bumper sticker, it's actually this house of, of sand, of built on a house of cards, right? And so he says politically, people are just throwing around terms like critical race theory and white nationalism, which are these giant topics and people just throw them out there like they're nothing. Um, we're talking about GameStop and holding and things like that that make no sense. But that happens in the church too. We use shorthand all the time in the church to say things. And I'll say it in my sermon, I'm actually really hypersensitive because, you know, Courtney's talked about, we want to be a church for the poor and the oppressed. Talk about being a church about having justice and mercy. And those are these great bumper stickers because if you've been around the, the church a while, those things all mean really deep things. It's kind of shorthand to all these other things. But I'm afraid that if we only use the shorthand, we miss out on all that God truly has for us. And as we're going through this passage in Ephesians, which I hope that you're enjoying, we are in Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 to 19. It's our prayer for you as a church. And in the middle of this prayer is an incredible bumper sticker. In fact, it's a bumper sticker that um, most people have just stopped at. They've let it be the bumper sticker for all things. And this morning, I'm gonna see if you can pick out the bumper sticker and then we're gonna try to dive into understanding what in the world is behind this rich and deep, deep theological truth. So let's read this prayer together. Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. It says this, that I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Gosh, what an incredible prayer. And, um, and let's read this first part one more time and maybe you can un get my underlying bumper sticker, right? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And here's the question this morning, is Jesus at home in your heart? And if you've been around the church 
or you went to camp or you went to a conference, right? We want to give a, ch- a chance for people to accept Jesus into their heart, to come forward, to raise their hand, you know, the, to, 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 for Jesus to live in their heart. It's a great Christian saying. It's the center of this verse. And if we're not careful, it's just a bumper sticker that we end up throwing away. But it's the centerpiece of this prayer that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. And it's actually the centerpiece of the entire gospel. The centerpiece of the entire gospel, the the whole biblical narrative, is this idea that God longs to be with his people, to be our God, and for us to be his people, to walk in the garden together. Well, um, this, Courtney's reading this book called The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. And uh, she's reading it with a, a young adult group as well as another group. And so if you're looking for a small group and a Bible study or a book study, I highly recommend this book. It is kicking me in the teeth. And uh, Lisa Sharon Harper, she begins her book telling the story and painting this beautiful picture of the garden and the way that God just creates creation. And, uh, and I love whenever you use like a Hebrew word because it makes it feel other. So instead of saying that something Something's very good, right? She over and over says, it's tov meod. It's not just good, it's very good. It's forcefully good. And all of creation, the way that God made humanity is good. And God made humans in his image. And then he asked us human beings to have dominion over all of creation. And then we totally screwed things up. But I love the way that she says this. It says, the original hearers of Genesis 1 would have understood that the writers were not merely saying to each other, to, were not merely saying that each part of God's creation was very good, but rather God's mighty web of interconnected relationships was forcefully good, vehemently good, abundantly good. That is the picture that she paints. And she paints it from our scriptures. That's the picture God created us to be in intimate relationship with him, to be in intimate relationship with each other, to be empowered by him, to have dominion over the earth. That is the gospel. That is the, I mean, sorry, that is the way in which God intended things to be. And if you have any sense of scripture from right after that, uh, Adam and Eve eat from the tree and then basically just cause death and destruction from that point on. And the very next encounter that they have, Adam and Eve realize they're naked, they cover themselves. And then God wanders into the garden and says, where are you? Because their relationships with each other and with God have been severed. And since the very beginning of that moment in time, God has been working so hard to restore our relationship with him. He's tried to find ways to help us understand who he is and what it means to be in relationship with him. And so in Genesis, you have this story, and then you have Exodus, the story of God's people in Israel, and they're, and they're heading out, uh, they, they, they're free from Israel, and they go into the desert, and God goes to the people and gives Moses the Ten Commandments and teaches them how to live this holy life. And on top of all these rules and regulations to help them understand who this holy and perfect God is and who they are with their sin and rebellion and how to begin to restore relationship, God ends the book of Exodus by saying, I want you to build this tabernacle. I want you to build this tent where I'm going to live. In Exodus 25, he says, let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And the very end of Exodus 40, he says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord, the kavod. It's another, it's the Hebrew root. It means glory, but there's something, it, it takes our imagination. It's more than just glory. It's his presence. God actually wants to be with his people. And so he found a way to do that, to make this tent of meeting, to make this tabernacle. 
And once they established their, 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 uh, their residency in, in Israel, they actually made a real temple. Uh, Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 6 builds the temple um, and then they build the Holy of Holies and they, there begins to be this whole ritual around the worship of God, the understanding of God's holiness and where God resides and how to have a relationship with him. And then the, the temple is destroyed and there's a second temple in Ezra. And in this time, the prophets start prophesying. They go, even the building itself isn't, isn't conveying this idea of God. God's presence. And the prophet Joel says, right, at some point, there's going to be this time where I'm going to pour out my spirit on all the people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit. And there's this longing in the heart of people to be with God. And there for sure is this longing of God to be with us. Well, Jesus becomes the pinnacle of the story in John chapter one, verse 14. It says, right, the word became flesh and made his home among us. One of the translations says that God made his, he tabernacled. This idea of the tabernacle, this tent of meeting where the Holy Spirit resides, where the glory of God, the kavod of God resides. Jesus now is that. Jesus tabernacled among us. He lived with us and he lives his whole life. And at the end of his life, he's crucified. And when he's crucified, you may remember this is the end of Matthew 27, the curtain in the temple that's separated the Holy of Holies, where the kavod of God lived, the presence of God lived, was torn in two, signifying now that the presence of God is given to all people, is made available to all of us. And we know at the very end of the story in Revelations 21, John paints this beautiful picture that he gets from Jesus. He says, I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. Isn't that interesting? The, the hope that God had from the beginning of time, from the authors of Genesis, dreaming and imagining what God longed for them. Here at the book of Revelation says, finally, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and he will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. That is the good news. And what's interesting is in the very hidden, in the middle of this prayer, in the middle of the book of Ephesians, in the middle of the Bible, there's this idea. So to make Christ dwell at home in our hearts through faith. Because here's the idea that between the already and the not yet, between the initiated kingdom brought in by Jesus and the final kingdom that'll happen in Revelations, the tabernacle has taken on a unique shape and a unique purpose. Because it's not in a tent of meeting, it's not in the temple of Solomon, and it's not in the new Jerusalem that's going to come down from heaven one day. It is actually in you and in me. This idea of so to make Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, the idea is that you and I, when we ask Christ to live into our hearts through faith, we now become the tabernacle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 16, it says this, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? I mean, don't you know you are God's temple? The Holy Spirit dwells in your midst. It's like, don't you know? And most of us go, we don't know. We are not just these Christians that God has his bumper sticker theology and God lives in our heart. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's actually kind of sad that we live in a time and a place where nothing is sacred. Everything that used to be beautiful and sacred has been vandalized or marginalized or made common. And it's actually really sad because I actually had to think really hard 
where are those places where I actually experience sacredness? Right? You walk down the street and you see trash and you see litter. But when you end up somewhere beautiful and pristine, right, even the smallest piece of litter violates your conscience. I, there's a group of guys, we go surfing on Friday mornings. And right now it's beautiful. These winter sunrises, the sun comes up over the mountains by Bolinas. And you're looking out into the ocean and there's seagulls and seals. And it's beautiful. And I don't, I'm not a good surfer, but I'm out there enjoying it anyway. And it's just like fills my soul. Like I'm in this sacred space. And sometimes the sun comes up just right that you see Sutro Tower in San Francisco. And you just think, why God? Why would you let them build Sutro Tower? Take that thing off for crying out loud, right? But there's like, it's just this violation. The same is true in my, my relationship with Katie, right? She's my wife. She's my soulmate. She's my heart. And, and I, she's this gift, right? And so there's a way that I'm intimate with her emotionally, physically, all ways that, are, that nobody else gets access to. It's this sacred thing. Well, that's the picture that God wants to, us to understand that we as his temple, we, our beings, our bodies, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are sacred, 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 holy people and beings. And so the idea is if we are going to be his temper, if we're going to be his tab- tabernacle, then we have been marked for certain purposes and reasons. So the first thing is that I want to make sure that we understand is that we've been marked for assurance, we, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, have been marked with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, earlier in this book that Paul is writing, he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What Joel was prophesying, what Joel was longing for, finally came true. And now we have access to the Holy Spirit. And when we, through faith, make Christ home in our heart, we are sealed. We are marked. Like, you know, Andy in the story, uh, in a toy story, right? The name is written on his, uh, on on, um, Buzz, not Buzz, you know, Woody, thank you. On Woody's foot, he writes Andy, right? You are marked. You are my toy. And the idea is the Holy Spirit is a mark. It is a seal. It says, you are my child. You are my daughter. You are my son. I've now given you my identity. What Jeff preached on last week, you've given you my power to strengthen you in your inner being. And you now have eternal life, right? Jesus talks about the need to be born again. This is what that is, to make Jesus at home in our hearts. We we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit and we're marked with the Holy Spirit so that we know that we are God's kids. Because once we know whose we are, once we have access to our identity, we have access to the power in our, the Holy Spirit's power, we now can be used by God for incredible, incredible things. Unfortunately, I think this is where we, the bumper sticker part, we veer off a little bit. You know the bumper sticker. You may have seen, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. It's a great bumper sticker and it's true. But that is not the final ending point. That is not the final resting point. We don't get to say, I am a forgiven person. My life is in Christ. I'm God's kid. I'm going to spend eternity with God one day. So the end. Now I just get to wait and tread water. No, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. We are God's workmanship and he is using us for a purpose. So we're marked for assurance. But not only are we marked for assurance, which is super great, but if that's where we end, we miss out on all that God has for us. We're actually marked for purpose. We're marked for purpose. 
And what's interesting is we think about being marked for purpose, most of us humans, because we, we like living in a bumper sticker world, we can only handle one or two of these purposes. But as Christians, as maturing followers of Christ, we have to be complex in our thinking, in our theology, and in our praxis so that we are putting into place all that God has for us. So the first thing we're marked for purpose is that we are marked for personal sanctification. No one likes this part of our, of our purpose anymore. But 1 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? We are the tabernacle now. Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, but you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, when your theology is, I'm just, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven, then we can do whatever we want. We can be just total, oh my gosh, I almost said two PG-13 words, but I'm getting better, right? We can just be those people. And, um, but we are called for personal sanctification, which means that we are people who don't just let our flesh run wild. We don't just get to be rebellious kids and just crush people and be like, what? I'm forgiven people. No, we are people who take every thought captive, who reflect on our inner being and say, God, who are you calling me to be? to be holy, to be sacred, to be set apart for your good, excuse me, for your good work. I love, I mean, all of us are different. So, I mean, it'd be super fun and self-satisfying if I just laid out all my sins, you'd be so excited and you'd feel so better, much better about yourself. But I love the way that Christians have basically said, there's these seven categories, gluttony, lust, pride, envy, sloth, anger, and greed. And if we're honest, we've used this time of COVID to allow our flesh to run wild. No one sees us. We're stuck at home. We've had to cope in all the inappropriate ways and all the secret ways. And the truth is by us doing that, we are diminishing what God can do in our lives. We're squelching the Holy Spirit. I love that there's this Psalm that says, who's gonna climb the holy mountain of God? Those whose hands are clean. We wonder why we're struggling in our walk with God. It's because we've just allowed our flesh to run rampant. We've allowed our gluttony and our lust and our pride, and our envy, and our sloth, and our anger, and our greed. If you just thought for one minute on one of those things that God's like, oh, that's the thing. And you thought, oh, here's the three or three ways that I'm allowing my flesh to have its way within me. Paul later says in Ephesians, we don't get drunk with wine. Rather, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We, as his people, because we are his tabernacle, are compelled by God to be holy people to long for personal sanctification so that our inner life matches the outer life of God, who's God called us to be. And what's incredible is we longed for to be holy, not to be self-righteous jerks, but we long to be holy because that's when we get to be used by God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, right? He talked, uh, Paul tells a story that there's, there's articles in, the, in, the clo- in, in your house. Some are used for common purposes and some are used for holy purposes. And if you cleanse yourself, if you're made right by God, this thing that's for common uses can be used, refined, sanctified by God and used for his purpose, which goes into the second thing. We are marked for purpose for personal sanctification, but that personal sanctification is not for our own glory, not for our own self-righteousness, but we are called for, for um, corporate action and witness. We are called for corporate action and witness. Right before this prayer in chapter 13, I mean, in chapter three, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, 20, and 21. And Christ Jesus, he himself is the chief cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone of this new temple and tabernacle. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which Christ lives by his spirit. 
So the idea is that we are as tabernacle. This is another part with our bumper sticker theology gets its best of us. It's not, I am God's tabernacle. We together are God's tabernacle. We together are used by God for action, for witness. If we have a faith that is just about me, just about my salvation, just about my personal growth, just about my um, spiritual formation, then we have missed out on all that God has for us. Even if we think we want to put our faith into action, you all by yourself cannot do what the body of Christ can do, what the church can do. And we are called for action and we are called for witness. Now, one of the bumper stickers that I like the best and I say all the time, and it's really convicting to realize, ooh, I actually need to do some work around this, is I long to be a church that cares for the poor and the oppressed. I long to be a Christian and a man who cares about justice and mercy. I long for it and have an idea of what it means. And that's why books like this are so compelling because instead of a bumper sticker, you have, how many pages? 250 pages of someone going, hey, here's a bumper sticker and how it actually looks. And she has chapters of this is what it looks like to be the people of God, to walk with God and then to have dominion over creation. What it might look like if the people of God work together, leveraging the power of the Holy Spirit to be the witness of Christ. There's chapters on there about what that looks like around creation, around gender, around um, race, around nationalism. I mean, it is crazy. I, I've read almost the whole book now, but the, the, the chapter on gender is brutal as a man, as a Christian leader, as a lead pastor, um, and just as a handsome man. Um, she, uh, she lays it down pretty thick. I'm not going to lie. And I highly recommend this book. I highly recommend the posture to say, God, how do you want to use me? And to not be defensive, but to say, no, you want to use us. You have to use us. And so we are God's holy temple and his tabernacle. And we're created for purpose to be holy, but then to put that holiness into action. And here's the hard part. I know many of us, and especially many of our younger um, people in our church and our students, they have this huge desire for activism, to this huge desire for justice to go out there and do it. But in the same way of, as a bumper sticker, if, we, if, if, we, if that justice and call for action is not met with the power of the Holy Spirit, is not informed by people who've made Christ at home in their heart, who are doing the work of formation and sanctification, then we too are just being these clanging gongs and going to be an anathema to everybody around us. You see, we are the temple. You and me together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the place where the kavod of God, his glory and his presence is made known. How cool. Here we are at Marin Covenant trying our best to put this into practice, right? We're, we're, we're doing that at Hamilton. We're doing that with the unsheltered. We're doing that as we learn about the uh, sex trafficking. We're doing that around the, the, this next month and how to become better partners around Black History Month. We're doing this with families. We're doing this in every single way we can possibly do it because individually we cannot be about this, but together we get to be the testimony of God's presence here in Marin showing what it looks like for people to be restored back into relationship with God. And we do that by making space for Christ to be at home in our hearts. And so here's the deal. If you want to be all that God has for you, if you want to experience God's love, if you want to experience God's power, at the very center of this prayer is the invitation so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And we've been trying for 2000 years to have some sort of rhythm, some sort of language, some sort of way to explain what it means to make Christ at home in our faith. I mean, yeah, make Christ at home in our hearts through faith. And I don't even really know how to explain it anymore other than there's this work that the Holy Spirit does where he invites you to make space for him to come and live in your heart. We submit our hearts to him. We submit our lives to him. We take advantage of all the forgiveness and grace that is offered to him. We take advantage of our new identity and we're compelled to go and be all that God has for us. But if we are gonna be a church that is not about a bumper sticker theology, then we need all three if we're gonna truly be the tabernacle of Christ. We need the assurance of salvation. We need to be people who are firm in our identities in Christ as daughters and sons of the most high God. We need to be people who are working out our personal sanctification, whose inner lives are matching the the call that God has put on us to be holy and righteous and pure to die to our flesh and to our sin and our rebellion. Because if we don't, we just steamroll people. We, we are doing all the damage that we think other people are doing. It, we are the ones doing that if we do not get that under control. And lastly, we get to be the, God's agents for action and witness to bring the kavod of God to this world in this middle time until finally one day, the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven. And God will be like, You will be my people and I will be your God. He'll wipe every tear from our eyes as we get to be in his presence forever and ever. But until then, we have work to do. Okay, that was a lot. Let me pray for us. And um, and what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna, we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna pray, pray, okay? So just be quiet, to close your eyes, to take a deep breath. If one of these prayers resonates with you, to grab a hold of it and make this your prayer. If it doesn't resonate with you, man, then pray that it would resonate with more and more people in the life of our church, in our community, so that God would have his way in us and through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I'm so thankful for the testimony of Scripture for the faithful saints who have gone before, who've been able to explain the mysteries that you, the creator of the universe, long to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And we know that we're sinful, fleshy, rebellious people that are capable of so much death and destruction. And we feel like we need to atone for our sins. We feel like we need to do so many right things to make up for all the wrong things that we've done. And yet through your son, Jesus, you have made it clear that there's a way to be born again. There's a way to have access to you. There's a way to be invited into your family. And that is through an act of faith. So even with a mustard seed of faith, God, even with the tiniest amount of faith, if the Holy Spirit is inviting you to make space in your heart for Jesus to make a home there, with the tiniest bit of faith, we say, Lord, have your way. Through faith, come and live in my heart. Make a place there. Make a home there. Forgive me and heal me. Transform me and make me into your image. Like we say every Sunday, we long to be a church that moves towards you. 
And so this morning, some people may be going from being a guest in God's home to actually being adopted as daughters and sons of the God Most High. If that's something that you did or that you were longing to do and not sure how, please reach out to any of us pastors. We would love nothing more than to walk with you through this journey. And some of you have been around the church a long time. You said yes to Jesus at camp or a conference or a retreat or in your bedroom or in all the weird and many different places that that's happened. But you've forgotten who you are, whose you are. And so this morning, may you remember that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. You are a daughter and son of the King. You have infinite value. You are loved beyond anyone's imagination. Out of all of creation, God can somehow individually see you. He stoops down to see you, to care for you, and invites us to cast all of our cares on Him because He cares for you. And so maybe this morning, you just need to be assured that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit to find confidence and joy again in your true identity as a daughter or son of God. In this time of COVID, maybe God's convicted you this morning and you realize that you have allowed your flesh to get away from you. You've embraced your sin and rebellion. You've been hidden. No one sees it. No one knows that you have no idea. You think you're getting away with it, but in fact, you're actually squelching the work of the Holy Spirit. You're putting graffiti all over the temple of, the holy, of our holy God. May you take this gentle invitation that you would long for personal holiness and sanctification and how great that no matter how far you've run from God, no matter how far and dark and devious the things that you've done, when we say, Lord, please forgive me, you forgive us, you cast all of our sin away, you cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you restore us back to the front of the race, you put us back on your knee, write all the different pictures and illustrations that you're a God of grace and a God of mercy and all we simply need to do is to repent to turn back around and you're waiting at the edge of the property to embrace us. So for those of us who have let our flesh get away from us, God, I pray that you would forgive us, that you would heal us, that you would restore the relationships with you and with others that we've, that have been bruised and broken in this time. And finally, God, I pray that we together corporately would be the temple of your Holy Spirit, the tabernacle, that we would be a church that ushers in the kavod, the glory, the presence, the power into our community. That we would not just be people for the bumper sticker of caring for the poor and the oppressed, longing for justice and mercy, but that we would do the work individually and corporately to be on the front lines Lord, we want to give all of ourselves, all of our resources, all of who we are to make space for anyone, anywhere, anyhow to come and know you. Pray, we pray, Lord, out of your glorious riches, out of your glorious riches that you would strengthen us with the power of your spirit in our inner being. All that strength, all that power in our inner being is so that you may dwell in our hearts through faith. Have your way with me, have your way with your church and use us for your honor and your glory. Amen and amen. <laughs>